Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to a brand new series called Success. Defining success can be interesting, right? What words do you use? What mental pictures are coming to your mind right now? What people would you point to and say, she is successful, or that guy, that guy, he is successful? And why? Why those pictures? Why those people? Well, here's the deal. When it comes to success, there's generally a standard approach to its definition. And it sounds like this. Success is defined by what you achieve and possess. Others define success by how much wealth, education, or acclaim you have acquired. Others interpret success with a career that fulfills or personal goals that have been reached. Still others outline success as walking away from glitz and choosing to live on less. Those seem to be the standard definitions, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. What we want to wrestle with, though, is what if true and lasting success is a little different? That's the question. Over the next four weeks, or the rest of September, here's what's going to happen at Valley Point. We're going to look at success through a different lens, through the investigation of obscure biblical characters we will discover profound outcomes that bring true and lasting success. Here's what I would ask. Please be here for the entirety of this series because I think it has the potential to set our minds and hearts in the right direction as we approach a new season. I want you to be here. I like being with you. So please get here and let's have fun discovering and learning. Now, Here's the thing about the people from Scripture we will study, just so you know. They are not the most popular. They are certainly not the most recognized. None of them have a book in the Bible named after them, but successful. I have been spending time with them, and I'm really excited about sharing their lives with you. Thank you for being here as we launch Success. Well, good morning and welcome to Valley Point Church. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am excited about walking through success with you. We're going to look at some great people in Scripture and allow them just to talk to us about their lives, and they're going to define success in a different kind of way. So I would encourage you to be here. We're going to be mentored by these individuals over the weeks to come. We're going to have fun, and I think we're going to learn a lot together. Today, we're going to think through a young king named Josiah. In week two of the series, we're going to talk about two women named Shifra and Pua. In week three of the series, we're going to talk about a guy named Barzilia. And then in week three, we're going to, in week four, we're going to wrap up the series. We're going to conclude it by looking at one of the thieves on the cross that was crucified and killed next to Jesus. All of these individuals, 
very successful in their own unique way. I'm so glad you're here. As we look at success through a different lens. Let's dive into this. Please take out your talk notes, grab a pen, and I would encourage you to fill in some blanks as we move through our time together. I want to begin with a big idea that will frame all of our conversation today. And here it is. Passionately pursue God. Don't stop. Don't give up when life is tough. Okay? And we're going to learn this from the life of Josiah, passionately pursue God. That is the challenge for all of us today. And what I want to leave us with, what I want us to consider, let's passionately pursue God and don't stop, which we often tend to do, especially when life gets tough. But we want to passionately pursue God. Don't stop and don't give up when life is tough. One of the things we learn and discover from the life of King Josiah is that he passionately pursued God and it made a pretty big difference in his life and in the life of his nation as well. So let's think about Josiah. Here are a few things you need to know about him. Josiah is considered one of the greatest kings in Judah's history. One of the greatest kings, and we're gonna read about that in just a moment. There's never been another king like him. Yet he doesn't get all the big press He doesn't get all of the accolades necessarily of some of the other kings that perhaps are a little more well-known, but yet in his own right, one of the greatest kings in Judah's history. Here's what else we know about Josiah. He ascended to the throne as an eight-year-old boy, which makes him kind of unique. So he wasn't older, he wasn't that mature, he's really just a boy when he assumes the throne. And Josiah discovers something, he finds something, which we'll talk about as well, that turns the nation back to God. Now I want to sidebar for just a moment and talk to all of the students in the room, those of you in college, in high school, in middle school, and those of you even younger than that. I want to talk to you for just a moment. Because what we discover in Josiah is really what could and should be happening in your life as well. And so I want to encourage you as young people, passionately pursue God. You are never too young to do that. And I believe it is the greatest decision that you could ever make in life above everything else that with my one life that has been given to me, I will passionately pursue God with everything. You have the ability, even as a very young person, to transform lives and families and schools and communities and nations. You have that ability. And those of us who are older than you, we need that kind of inspiration from you. So that's my little sidebar for a few moments. As we think about King Josiah, those of you who are young know that God can absolutely use you to do some extraordinary things and cause people to focus on God again. And this is exactly what happens with Judah. So uh, with Josiah, his story is found in 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. So if you have a Bible or a device, you can find that. And we're gonna spend some time looking at several verses. Before we read about Josiah, I wanna build a little bit of context that shares the story of who he is. 
because Josiah is a real person. He was a real king in Judah. It's not a fairy tale. This isn't something made up in scripture. It's real. It actually happened. And there are some unique things that surround Josiah's life that help us to understand and get why he was so passionate about pursuing God. So let's think about that for a little bit. Here we have Josiah, young king. Again, he assumes the throne when he's eight years old and he makes some very wise choices, especially for someone his age. But we need to think about his father and his grandfather as well because that kind of sets the tone for his extraordinary decisions. His grandfather was a man, a king as well, and his name was Manasseh. And here's what scripture tells us about Manasseh. Not a good guy, not very nice. As a matter of fact, he led a wholesale rebellion on righteousness in the land of Judah. And that was kind of how he operated. He basically said, If this is righteous, if this is good, no more. No God, no worship, no sacrifice, no generosity, no temples open. I don't want any of that for as long as I reign. He's not a good guy. Scripture makes it clear that he reigned for 55 years. So he's got a long time, a really long time to do kind of some icky things. 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 16 tells us this about Manasseh. Again, just so that we understand him. Manasseh also murdered many innocent people until Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other with innocent blood. This was in addition to the sin that he caused the people of Judah to commit, leading them to do evil in the Lord's sight. The guy's kind of creepy. He really is. Now, he does have this moment where he turns back to God at the end of his life, which is a good thing, but the damage has already been done. And at this point, the nation of Judah, far from God, very far from God. That's Manasseh. Again, kind of a creep as a ruler. Now, Manasseh eventually dies. He passes from the scene And he has a son, Josiah's father. His name is Ammon. And one wonders, what will Ammon do? Certainly he would understand that part of his heritage is God doing wonderful things for his people, restoring them, guiding them, leading them. And perhaps he'll be the one who will help direct their attention back to God. But what we find in scripture is that Ammon rejected God. No surprise there, right? That's what he observed in his father. That's what he knew. That's what he figured probably worked. And so he continued some of the same themes as his father. Shut down the temple, no righteousness, no God. Get rid of the word of God. We can't have any of this around. Now, what's interesting about Ammon is scripture tells us he only ruled for two years because he was assassinated. He was killed, which led to... Josiah's ascent to the throne, his father Ammon was a young man when he was killed, Josiah's only eight when he assumes the throne. But this is his heritage. He's got Ammon, a father who turned away from God. 
he has a grandfather or a pop-pop or whatever they called him back in the day. I have no idea. But whatever he was, not a good guy, and that's Josiah's legacy. That's what's kind of in front of him. So what will this young king decide to do? Well, in 2 Kings chapter 22, we begin discovering some marvelous things about this king. Here's what we read in verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. So he had a good amount of time. And then here's verse 2, which is so refreshing and wonderful to hear. It's good news. Here's Josiah. In spite of Manasseh and Ammon, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. David, who would have been up the line, a great, 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 great something, that's David. So he didn't look to Ammon. He didn't look to Manasseh. He said, forget these guys. I need to look to David. He was a righteous man. And then it wraps up by saying, he, Josiah, did not turn away from doing what was right. What we find in verses 3 through 10 is that in the process of doing right, Josiah begins cleaning up the country and he opens up the temples again. And in the process of opening the temple, guess what they discover? They find a copy of the word of God. Like, wow, we haven't seen that in a really long time. We didn't even know that was around anymore. And they found it and they, they blew off the dust and they began to read. And what they read started the nation on a new path. Verse 11, when the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Then he gave these orders to the priests. Here's what I need you to do. Go to the temple and please speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah, for our entire nation. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. My dad, my grandfather, they haven't done it. We have not been doing everything it says that we must do. This is making sense, right? Wholesale rebellion against righteousness. A new king enters the scene. He opens up the temple. They find the word of God, right? And Josiah begins to have this read, and he's like, oh my goodness, sweet mercy, holy, whatever he may have said, we have not been doing what is written here, and we got to get back to this. We got to get back to this. As I was researching the life of King Josiah, I began to ask a couple of questions, like, what books of the Bible did they find? They read something that really motivated them to act in a different way. So what books of the Bible did they actually find? The New Testament hadn't been written at this point. Jesus hadn't come. There's no gospels. There's no letters of Paul. And other historical events in the Old Testament hadn't occurred yet. So those books aren't even there. What books did they actually read? That again caused them to change their behavior. That was one of the questions. The other question is, who lost the Bible? 
And how do you actually hide that thing to where nobody's paying attention to what God wants for them as a nation? So what books did they read and who lost the Bible? The first question, what books were they reading? Well, scholars tell us they were probably reading the book of Deuteronomy, a book that was written by Moses. It's part of the law that would have outlined for them, here's what God says, and you need to line your life up with what God wants, and let's sacrifice, and let's be obedient, and let's honor him with everything that we have. Let's do that as a people group, as a nation. Let's do this. Other scholars believe they probably were reading from the Torah. The Torah is a Hebrew word that means the law, and it refers to the first five books of the Bible, all written by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Greek word for that is the Pentateuch. Penta is a word that means five and refers to the first five books of the Bible written by Moses. We don't know exactly what they were reading. They either read all five books or at least the book of Deuteronomy. What we know is it changed a lot for Josiah and for the nation. I think the baffling question is, why was the word of God hidden? And who lost it? That doesn't make sense for us in a modern culture, but we have to remember this is not a modern culture. There's no printing press. It's not like there's thousands or millions of Bibles. Ancient texts were very rare. They were copied by hand, and there weren't many of them. And so it makes sense that if Josiah had a father and a grandfather who were leading a rebellion on righteousness, that they would have done everything within their power to make sure nobody found the word of God. We don't want anybody reading Deuteronomy. We don't want anybody reading the Torah because that means we'll have to change our behavior. And so let's destroy, let's get rid of these books. Scholar Eugene Merrill says it this way. There is therefore no reason a diabolical, despotic ruler such as Manasseh could not have seized virtually all the copies of the Torah and destroyed them in order to advance his own apostate ends. Somehow, in the providence of God, and isn't that the way it always works? Like things are looking bad, it's not good news, it's not a good day, but somehow, in the providence of God, here's what likely happened. A pious priest or scribe managed to safeguard the temple copy in a hiding place in the temple and prayed that it might not perish until it could once more take its position as the bedrock of Israel's life. And I believe that's probably what happened. And let's think about this. It's not really that difficult to lose things, is it? Have you ever lost your keys? Oh, you're not being honest. Have you ever lost your keys, right? Have you ever lost your phone? Yeah, have you ever lost a child? Don't, don't answer that one. But we tend to lose things, and here's the deal. We can lose important, valuable things when we stop paying attention to them. Out of sight, out of mind, and that probably happened here. Beyond that, 
I believe there was a strong attempt to destroy the word of God, but it is discovered, it is found, and here's what happens next. Chapter 23, verse 1, we're thinking about Josiah. He's mentoring us now. Let's allow him to do that. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. They're all there. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. Again, whether that was one book or several books, we're not sure, but he read something from Moses there. Verse 3 tells us the king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant. Like, let's get back to this. He renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Yes, let's do that. Let's live that way. And what we find in verses four through 20 is that Josiah begins this effort to clean up the country, to remove the things that were distracting his people from fully being obedient to God. His father and his grandfather had established shrines and idols and other things. And Josiah said, we're getting rid of all of that. And you knew that had to be an unpopular move for some. Like, hey, that's my idol. That's the one I really connect to. That's the one I like. And Josiah said, no, no, no. Righteousness returns on my watch. And we're going to get back to the law. We're going to get back to the writings of Moses, we're going to get back to the Torah, and we are committing to this. Here's how the story wraps up. Verse 21, King Josiah then issued this order to all the people. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as required in this book of the covenant. There had not been a Passover celebration like that since the time when the judges ruled in Israel, nor throughout all the years of the kings of Israel and Judah. And then here it is. Here's where we find success. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord, right? So it's not all about the accolades. It's not what he achieved, what he won. It's here it is. There's never been anybody like him because... He turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses, and there has never been a king like him since. Success. I believe at some point in this journey, he said, remember the Passover? That was a significant celebration for his people, where they remembered how God rescued them in the land of Egypt and passed over and saved their families and then eventually led them out of slavery, out of Egypt into their own promised land. And we've forgotten about this. And and my father and my grandfather and others, they haven't initiated these kinds of celebrations. And so let's get back to doing that. Let's respond to the greatness of God and let's honor him this way. And these were the things that Josiah 
led. So what were the profound outcomes of his choice to lead in this way? Well, a couple of unique things happened. Under the leadership of a very young king, a nation turned back to God. That's just remarkable. Under his leadership, back to God. And once they turned back to God, the blessing of God returned as well. So two profound outcomes. A nation turns back to God and the blessing of God returns. Success. Okay, all of that is great for Josiah, for an ancient king. It's a great story. But what does that mean for us today? How can we achieve success as we enter into a new season? Well, again, I want to look at success through a different lens. And I want to share three takeaways with you based on the life of Josiah. Again, we're going to allow him to mentor us today. And based on what he did and what he said and how he lived, here are three things that we can do that will bring success in this new season. Number one, place a high value on the word of God. Okay? I'm calling myself to that. And I want to call you, Valley Point Church, in this new season. Let's not neglect the word of God. When that happened for the nation of Judah, bad things happened. And the same will happen to us. So I want to call us to place a high value on the word of God in this new season. Let's read it. Let's wrestle with it. Let's understand. Let's comply. It can't be neglected. It can't be neglected. If we're going to have a dynamic and growing relationship with God, we have to get into his words and find him there. And so let's, as we embark on this new season, let's find success. Not in all of the usual definitions, but let's find it in saying, no matter what comes my way, whether I am successful in the world's eyes or not, I'm going to place a high value on the word of God and there I will find the blessing of God as well. Maybe you've forgotten your life verse. Back in January, we walked through a great exercise where we encouraged everybody here, find a verse or two and commit to that, memorize it and allow that to roll around in your mind all year long. If you have forgotten your verse or verses, I'd encourage you to go out to the display in the lobby, find it, and remind yourself again of the value and the beauty of God's word in you, in you. And in doing that, you're valuing the word of God. That's great. Maybe you weren't here in January. I would encourage you, dive into the word of God and find some verses here that are meaningful and memorable and just jump into your heart and memorize them and allow them to carry you through the rest of this year. In doing that, you will be placing a high value on the word of God, which is a must for Christ followers. And so let's get back to placing this high value on the word of God. Josiah did it and there were some profound outcomes. By the way, here's something else that shows you value the word of God in your life. You're doing it right now. So congratulations. 
It's placing yourself under the authoritative teaching of the word of God. We value the words of God when we embark on something like this. So you've made a wise choice today. You're valuing the word of God. Keep doing that. It brings the blessing of God. Number two, get gritty and remove the things that distract and keep you from God. Tough, yes, but really critical if we're going to find success. So let's just ask. Let's be vulnerable and open this morning. What's distracting you from being fully obedient to God? Is there something coming to mind? Maybe nobody else knows about it, but it's on the inside and maybe it is a distraction. One of the things we learn from Josiah is that he was willing to do the hard work and he got gritty and said, we're going to clean up this nation and we're going to get rid of the idols and the shrines and all of this junk that my father and my grandfather initiated and we're going to remove the distractions. And he did it. And occasionally... In our lives, we have to pause and say, okay, here's a distraction and I need to get rid of this so that I can fully be obedient and fully pursue God. I want to say this. Following Jesus is a dangerous thing. It is. And this is really important, so I want all eyes up here for just a moment. Following Jesus is a dangerous thing, and here's why. When we follow Jesus, there is a tendency to get comfortable with him, especially when life is good and we're okay and the people around us are okay and life is wonderful and we're enjoying it. We get comfortable with Jesus. We get a little spiritually soft, so to speak, and we stop paying attention to the the knocks on our heart by God about a habit or a sin or a lack of forgiveness that we may not be extending or something else that is just keeping us from God. Pride, perhaps, on the inside. And we kind of stop paying attention to these knocks on our heart to get rid of those distractions because life is good and life is okay. And often we find ourselves in those situations saying, God, why are you bothering me? Why are you picking on me? Yeah, maybe I've got a little bit of this in my heart, but that's not bothering anybody and I'll deal with it in my own way and in my own time, I'll take care of that. Why are you bothering me? I'm good, I'm praying, I'm looking into scripture, I'm going to church, I'm doing all of these things. Why don't you go and bother my neighbor, Joe? He is a hot mess and he's all jacked up. So go talk to him a little bit because I'm fine and I'm comfortable, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. If we're not careful, we'll lose the ability to feel the presence of God nudging us to confess, to pray, to read, to forgive, to invite. And Josiah got to a place where he said, I'm all done with the craziness. 
of what's happened before. Here's the revealed word of God. We've got to get back to living this way. And so let's remove the distractions. So our challenge, based on the mentoring we're receiving from Josiah this morning, is to say, okay, I'm going to get gritty. I'm going to get gritty and remove the things that distract and keep me from God. And I would encourage you to have a great time this week being gritty and taking care of those distractions. Number three, celebrate by responding to the greatness of God. Celebrate by responding to the greatness of God. And that's what Josiah led the nation in doing. Hey nation, it's been a long time since we have celebrated Passover and we have been reminded of what God did for us in the past and we stand on what he will do for us today and in the future. It's been a long time since we've done that. So we're gonna get back to celebrating and responding to the greatness of God and saying, God, you deserve all of me and I will give my passions to you and I will honor you with every aspect of my life. That's what Josiah led celebrating by responding to the greatness of God. I want to go back to our big idea. Just to remind us, passionately pursue God. Okay, let's do that. In this new season, passionately pursue God. Don't stop. Don't give up when life is tough. Because on the other side of that, Success. Success. Father, we step into your presence and we are so thankful, so thankful for Josiah and his mentoring of us today. And he's been so helpful to us as we embark on this new season and as we look to this ancient king. There's never been anybody like him. He was successful. But God, it's, it's what he did that made him successful and it's kind of different. And so God, I pray that as we, Valley Point Church, embark on a new season, for everybody here, God, I, I think we want to be successful. I know I want that. I'm sure everybody here wants that. And so God, I, I pray now And I ask now that you would help us to place a high value on the word of God. That we wouldn't neglect it. That we would never have to blow dust off the cover. And that we would take these words, your voice, and get it inside our hearts and our minds. God, I want to confess to you. This is my confession. That I know I don't spend enough time in your word. I don't value it enough. And as part of Valley Point Church, I I want to be the one who's placing a high priority on this. And so help me to do that. And I pray the same for everybody in here. Help us to value your word. And God, would you then help us to get gritty and remove the distractions pride sin a habit a lack of forgiveness whatever it is God help us 
help us? And then God, would you help us to celebrate by responding to your greatness? God, often we forget about what you have done in the past because we're consumed with what we want you to do right now. And God, come through this way and stand up for me right now, today, and you don't always operate on our timeline, and that's okay. God, help us to review the past and understand that you have provided and you have sustained and you have been there for us, and you'll do it again today and you'll do it again in the future. And so help us to recall these stories of faith and provision and God coming through for us, and then help us to respond to the greatness of God, knowing that success will come. So help us to do this now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.